0: Love Talk Radio. Great Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Donya Keating, live from the Seattle area at 2 p.m. Pacific time on Friday, October 31st, Halloween. Yay! Listeners, uh, dial 646-378-0261 to chime in and press 1 on your keypad when you're ready to speak. Um, another reminder, we keep uh, mentioning that until it's uh, kind of a, a known thing, but the chat feature might be a bit wonky, so we don't know if it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. We hear that if you have a Blog Talk Radio account, it might be a little easier, so open one up if you prefer, uh, and you want to fire off a comment or two uh, versus talking live with us today. This afternoon is more of an extended public service announcement uh, as a PSA about homeless youth awareness, and it's on our radar because I facilitated a keynote panel at a Chamber of Commerce luncheon recently with four organizations who are addressing this issue in our region. So we have an hour, but I don't think we'll need it. Um, Who knows? We'll figure it out as we go along. But uh, for our part today, we're just sharing the story forward and trying to keep the awareness on the front burner here. So about the meeting, um, I was asked by the chamber's executive director to facilitate the panel, and it really became an educational process for me because, like many people out there, I had my own preconceived notions about why the situation exists and what it looks like. And so... This panel consisted of four people uh, and four organizations, Stand Up for Kids, and we had Margaret Rodriguez, uh, Central Kitsap School District, because obviously they're dealing with homeless youth, and we had Chris Wyatt, uh, the Coffee Oasis, which was uh, Daniel Frederick, and I believe he's the Director of Community Development or something like that. His, his dad, Dave, was uh, Executive Director, and they've both been there since the beginning, so they had quite a bit of perspective to bring to the table. And then Kitsap Community Resources had Jackie Foytick, and she's the Housing Solution Center um, part of KCR. So before interviewing each of them, I kind of formulated some questions that I wanted to ask them. And the point what, with that was to keep the questions you know, compact and keep things straightforward but accessible to the audience and meaningful. So I wanted to integrate an action item at the same time so that those people attending the meeting had something that they could bring that would move the ball forward for those organizations and help them out. So part of that process uh, involved finding out what we could bring as a starting point and, you know, to help those youth being served. So anyway, to kickstart the conversation, uh, we ended up going, we're uh, starting off with the federal definition of homeless youth. And that definition is individuals who are not more than 21 years of age for whom it is not possible to live in a safe environment with a relative and who have no other safe alternative living arrangements. So the important thing that I wanted to point out, not only in that audience, but here, was that that definition included only those youth who were unaccompanied by families or caregivers. So obviously, when you look at the magnitude of that issue and how many people there are that are being impacted that are youth, that are homeless, it's much larger than the numbers that we ended up coming up with. So that was just something that was a a, a poignant reminder that we wanted to uh, get to them and, and to you as well. So. The first question I asked um, the panelists was about mission. And uh, many of us have served on boards of directors and, um, you know, committees or whatever with nonprofits or in other kind of civic roles. And you may have been a part of that process of coming up with a mission statement uh, or a vision statement, or you may not. And so I always want to know what that person thinks the mission is in their own words, because it gives me kind of a contextual awareness as to where they're coming from and what their focus is. Um, so that we can actually try to address it at that level. And so some of the feedback that I got... Uh, was very interesting because you, you always expect to hear, you know, our mission is to find them a home, which, duh, I mean, that's what we're talking about here today, or, you know, we're trying to find them food or whatever, but some of the feedback was, you know, helping the homeless and at-risk teens for kids KITSAP, so that's the region that we're in here today, um, and providing support for the homeless youth so they can be successful in school and their life beyond, so it's not just about giving them a quick fix today and finding them something, it's about putting them through the, the you know, the kind of uh, reinventing or reforming or restoring them to society instead of just trying to address you know these small level yeah uh, not small level I should say that word but trying to just address the needs at a very basic level um which is important and then uh you know there was something that Daniel Frederick said who was with uh, Coffee Oasis and he said we're just trying to bring hope to hurting kids yeah, We're trying to give them opportunities, and we're trying to walk alongside them so they can have a bright future. Uh, and then, of course, you know, getting them emergency or permanent shelter in partnership with you know, organizations like Coffee Oasis. These things are very important. But I noticed that with that uh, panel that we had, there was a lot of talk about issues in addition to finding the homes and finding the housing and finding the food and finding the shoes and, and things like that. So that was just a very um, – Eye-opening for a lot of people that were there, and then the next thing that I asked them to do was, you know, describe the youth demographic. I mean, how many people are we talking about? You know, what's the gender breakdown? How old are they? You know, generally, what grades are we talking about? Especially since you're talking about schools and the districts trying to help them, and what are some of the contributing factors? You know, to their homelessness. I mean, are we talking about drugs? Are we talking about mental illness? I mean, what are some of the things beyond just trying to address the homelessness issue? What are some of those other things that that are involved? And so that became a very interesting discussion as well. And... um, we also asked them how many were beyond their reach because if if you can't reach everyone, why can't you reach them? What are they doing? Are they couch surfing uh there was an emancipation issue that came up where you know there are parents out there good bad or indifferent when when the when their child turns eighteen, they say, "Get out, you know you're an adult get out and and we don't know the dynamics of that and whether or not this is kind of a reminder of them, you know, 16, 17, when you turn 18, you're getting out, and what type of an environment that even that might breed. But um, there are people that are actually out there because their parents said you're 18 and you're an adult and you get out there and now you gotta you got to do it. you got to make it on your own. Um, and then, of course, because of that uh, issue, with emancipation where some people are not quite 18 and so they're in that little, they're in that hybrid space where you actually need your parents' approval and because they're not on good terms, they can't get it. And so there are a lot of things that they uh, they, they, can't have access to because they're not willing to admit the need or because they're not willing to go back to their parents and get that approval. And so a lot of that uh, has to do with people that are not able to get the resources that they otherwise could avail themselves of because you know they're 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 in that uh that space that interim space and then of course you know the reality is that there are people dealing with drugs and addictions um and and sometimes people like to uh, dismiss them and say they're just criminals and they're on the street because they want to be and you know we've all heard that and dealt with that or whatever but you know, there there are some other issues that are at play here, and it was just a very uh, important and educational uh, experience for us to to get to the point where we would understand that. So um, the next thing that we um, started looking at were the specifics and, and, and kind of drilling down to the numbers so that we knew what we were dealing with. And, you know, with stand-up for kids, according to some efforts that they had in January of this year, uh, there were 801 homeless youth. And so that was kind of a hard number for us, you know, not hard just to hear it, but just a hard fact that we could get our hands around to understand what was out there. Um and then, you know, there was some information from stand up about, you know, yeah, of course there's some criminal activity out there and it's sometimes it's high, but it's it's a lot of it is related to survival efforts. You know, they want food, they want clothing or shelter. Doesn't excuse it, but it certainly puts things in, in perspective. And um you know, some of them are actually dealing with abuse, whether it's verbal or sexual or physical, and then there are some things, you know, that, that get them out of the house. And, um, you know, some of them are runaways. And and, and then it, there was an interesting comment that uh, Margaret made. She said some of them are runaways, but some of them are throwaways. And so that was just kind of a, you know, you got to keep that in perspective when you're, you're trying to figure out who you're dealing with. But with Central Kitsap, um School District, their figures in the 2013 14 school year, they had 196 students, K through 12, who were identified as homeless under the McKinney Vento definition. And of these 90, um, they were in grades K through 6. 106 of those were in grades 7 through 12, and 38 were identified as unaccompanied youth. They really are that young, which was it was kind of shocking to us. And then for the 2014-15 school year, which was as of September 12th or whatever it was in 2014 when I had last spoken with with her um, in preparation for this, they had identified 152 students in K through 12, with 96 of those being in K through 6, and 56 in grade 7 through 12. And so, of those 13, were unaccompanied youth. And so, the numbers continued to grow, and there were some. It, they had grown twice since the September 12, uh, 2014 numbers that we had received from from her. And so that was kind of a, you know, this is this is not a static situation. It's con- it's continuing to move forward and or backwards, depending on your perspective. But with the Coffee Oasis, their feedback was that the age ranges thirteen to twenty five, sometimes up to twenty eight, but of course you know this is about homeless youth, so you're kind of there's a cut off point there. But they deal with approximately eighty a year who actually live in the coffee Oasis. And then in the course of, you know, the school year and being in contact and in partnership with the schools, they have about a thousand unique contacts that they're they're dealing with. So that was um kind of our way of getting some numbers from them. And understanding. And um, the next thing that I asked them that was kind of, you know, interesting and and kind of getting trying to get an idea, what's the biggest need that your homeless youth face? You know, what are they looking at? Uh, and some of the feedback came back that there are actually teen boys that have more of a problem than the girls. Uh, the girls tend to fare slightly better at Sturgis House or especially for teen mothers or at a live shelter or whatever. But, you know, they don't feel safe at the adult shelters, the teen boys, and there are only eight beds in the entire, entire county for that. So um, – and then, of course, you know, quality, safe housing, financial stability, um, you know, job training and housing and, um, you know, just the, the typical things that you would expect, Um but the financial stability and the job training, I mean, that that's part of the what we talked about earlier, you know, getting people restored uh, to society and not just, you know, giving them some food and some, you know, toiletries and, and whatever, which they do need. But, you know, there's a sense of safety that needs to come from that. And there's a, a certain mindset that needs to be um, worked with. And then, of course, um, the stable and consistent support and mentoring was something really big brought up. And... You know, we have romantic, we, society, sometimes have romantic ideals about, you know, how we're going to help. Sometimes it's based upon the availability of time that we have. Uh, sometimes it's just a question of what we can, you know, what we can conceptualize, what we can actually deal with, you know, as human beings. But I think the real thing that we came away, away with understanding from, especially from Daniel Frederick was that, when you go in to help a homeless youth, and they're dealing with all sorts of other uh, mental and social and psychological issues, stability becomes increasingly important, and being able to be there, in good, bad, you know how no matter how ugly it gets, and for the long haul. You know, that's very important to actually um, helping and supporting some of these youth beyond anything that uh, money and food and, and housing can do. And so he made a comment in the meeting uh, that was, you know, people just looked at each other. And he said, we're talking about a minimum of a five-year commitment that you need to make to with some of these youth in order to really see some results. So that that's uh, you know certainly something worth repeating, something worth thinking about and remembering that you know if, if you have to be in it for the long haul, I mean it's a sense of safety that they have, and he also mentioned something interesting of you know when you talk about mentality that, you know, some people can actually get a home. You know, they could find a place. They can be placed in a shelter. They could be on their way to, you know, wholeness. And they'll still pitch a tent inside their home because they have a home mentality that's representative of their sense of safety and, and some of the other issues that have come with um, the homelessness mentality and, and the environment and whatever's there. So it, it's it's very, it's, you're not really necessarily solving the problem just because you're giving them some basic things, and they're just kind of re, reiterating that that message and making sure that it gets through. So that when you do step up to help in, in any way you can, obviously, as welcome. But when you do decide to get involved in that, um, that you, you try to make a commitment. So. Um, The next question that we asked them was, what other issues or problems are they trying to solve? I mean, if there's anything else we need to know know about, get specific. What are you really dealing with? Um, And I remembered, uh, I think it was uh, Margaret that said that they handed out 400 bags of food a month. And one school had like 158 juniors or seniors declared homeless. And their only food source is at the school. So... Um, you know things When you talk about issues you're trying to solve, things we take for granted, an alarm clock, a watch, a phone, whatever it is, electronics was one of those. So here we have kids that are still trying, despite their homelessness and despite their issues, they are still trying to get to school. They are still trying to get their education. And if they can't wake up because they don't have an alarm clock or a watch or a phone or some kind of electronics to remind them, they don't get to school in time and sometimes to that only meal of the, of the day so that there are a lot of different um, compounding issues that come into play that it, i found that just a very interesting thing to um to talk about and so you know some other things that they talked about were um Soft skills, you know, things that, frankly, so even some people that aren't homeless aren't very good at, but some of the soft skills that actually would benefit them in the workplace, like hygiene or being presentable and, you know, a very necessary foundation. I mean, that, some of those things were they were trying to deal with that and provide those skill sets and provide that mentoring and training, and, um Obviously the you know, the criminal activity that's still there and interacting with the juvenile detention centers to make sure that as we said before they're being restored versus just being returned to the situation they were in before, uh, and mental health, uh real estate for more temporary and permanent housing and also um transportation. Because a lot of these uh homeless youth they're getting to and from school but they're not able to get to an appointment or to get to someplace else, so you know those are type- those are the types of issues outside of just dealing with you know food and shelter um that they're they're trying to deal with, and that was just uh something we needed to know so the next question um that we asked was, what are your top three challenges now obviously when you start talking about an issue like this, it's not simple it's not a simplistic thing. Someone can give you a laundry list of things that they need. But for the purposes of the um, meeting that we were having that day and trying to make sure that we could actually do something that was um, proactive and, 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 you know, impactful and and, and almost immediate to move it forward, we wanted to understand what were your top three challenges, you know, in 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 what you're doing here. And, of course, shelter keeps coming up because we are talking about homelessness, food, shoes came up. And one of the things that Margaret said at Stand Up for Kids was, you know, you can't – it would be very tempting for many of us. Here's a bag of shoes, you know, that we had that we were going to give to somebody that turned into tires. I don't know. But um, this became a situation where she said, we have to have new shoes. And you can't just go out and buy us the shoes because we don't know what sizes are going to be needed or whatever, so we need cash. But we don't want used shoes because we don't want to give them any diseases. You know, they can get some foot diseases and whatnot from these shoes, and they already have enough problems, so please, you know, don't don't give us any used shoes. So that was kind of a top challenge for them, which was interesting. And then, of course, bus passes and whatnot to get kids around um, outside of school, Finding enough people to make a longer-term investment in the kids was a top challenge, and it was across the board. Um, and then the opportunity for kids to have sobriety and a community, or the resources to achieve that, was considered a top challenge. Because as you can imagine, you know, being um, homeless and sleeping in some of those conditions, I mean, it's just not going to be an easy thing. So um, they. Having some community resources other than something like, I don't know, I guess an AA, but something that could uh, help the homeless youth deal with those issues was you know one of the things that came up. So after all of that, we asked, all right, so you've got a room full of people here. They're all business leaders. They're all community leaders. Um, they're used to making a difference. So what are the two most important things you want all of us? to understand or know about your organization? You know, what are the important things that people tend not to think about or understand or know? And so for Stand Up for Kids, they wanted us to know how many homeless teens they were serving. You know, those numbers that we talked about earlier. They also wanted us to know, because some people apparently care about this, that they are not religious-based in any way, shape, or form, and everything was about supporting the kids. And... um, they also wanted us to know that they were 100% donation and volunteer organization. I mean, there is no, uh, you know, there are no paid salaries, or I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, sometimes you get some some really uh, significant results from having an organization that's structured like that. But they wanted us to know that everything that's happening there is donation and volunteer organization. So it put kind of a really fine point on how important it was to have people stepping up for them with Central Kitsap School District. Their two points were that they strive to give the best possible support to the homeless youth and families. It kind of goes without saying. But they're not in the business of providing that. If you think about a school district, if you think about a school, what you really think is they're here to educate our kids. So the fact that they're going a step further to do this is really, really telling. And they also wanted us to know that they do a really uh, good job or they make a really strong effort to network with the community resources and how important that is for them to provide the needed support for families because it is part of a holistic process. It's not just about giving somebody an education. Uh, it's about giving them a life and giving them an opportunity. And that is what um, you know they, they wanted us to know about them. Uh, Coffee Oasis, I mean, they wanted us to know, and they it was kind of their mantra. They wanted us to get it, that they are there, and they exist to help hurting kids. That—that That is, they exist to help hurting kids. That's what they wanted us to know. And, you know, kind of a little point of humor, but an obvious point, is they wanted us to know, hello, Coffee Oasis, we are a coffee shop. So we kind of chuckled there and they said come in and buy some coffee. Uh come in and buy some lunch. They have some uh coffee beans that they roast and they try to do um they try to have partnerships that are very conscious uh in terms of getting the beans and um and they want you to stop in and you know help them create a hub. Basically, I mean it's not just a place for homeless people to come. You can come there too. Uh, if you have a business meeting you want to conduct there, I believe there's some kind of space there. But they they kind of want to invite us in. They want to mix the communities and 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 you know, get some synergy there. So that was that was an important point. And then with KCR, uh, the Housing Solutions Center, they wanted us to know the importance of a one stop shop or portal or even having any kind of a central place that knows what's available for the homeless youth population so that people don't have to go searching and figuring out on their own where things are. Um, So they wanted us to know that they refer clients to Coffee Oasis because Coffee Oasis is the central place that knows what's available. And that's something that we're sharing forward with you. If you have something out there that you want to do, you want to find a way to help them, uh, then, you know, absolutely, we start with that. And uh, when we were having the show, Monica, uh, down in from Waterfront Bakery, she's in Silverdale. They have a really great place there. And uh, she mentioned that they're sort of a, a hub where if you've got something you want to drop in the area, you don't necessarily want to go to an organization or don't know where to go or you didn't hear about this show or you didn't you weren't at that meeting, whatever it is, Um drop it there. They'll figure it out. So, you know, Monica is in the Old Town Silverdale area. She is kind of across the street from the uh, Old Town pub there, kind of catty corner to that, and next to where Hart used to be. But, you know, Monica's Waterfront Bakery, that was really kind of an interesting thing to have in that audience. So one of the other questions that we asked them, which was really the important question, was how do we help you now? What do you need as uh, top items so that I can let the Chamber of Commerce know in their PR or communications to tell their members what to bring. Bring it to the meeting. Let's start from there. And some of the things that she mentioned, and I'm sure they still need them, obviously, um, pull-top foods in cans, you know, like spaghetti and ravioli and chili and things like that that are pull-top or little small cans, always small because they're typically the uh, homeless teens are going, they're traveling with their backpacks. So you don't want to give them a big box of cereal. You kind of want to find the things that have the small packs in them. And um, energy bars and trail mix, obviously, there's some healthy things, other healthy snacks like sun chips or uh, goldfish crackers. And uh, food cards for grocery stores, fast food restaurants. You know, I've got a thing about the fast food bit. But you know what, that's that's what they need. And if you want to do that, then then do it. And if you don't, then do something else on the list. So... Kids Up transit bus passes. If you have some of those out there, you can uh, donate. And box juices. Uh, they don't want Capri Sun because they're in that kind of squishy pack. And that squishy pack, when they put everything in their backpack, it kind of it, it all explodes in there. So it's just one of those things. Um, and we talked about new shoes. Obviously, uh, t- travel size toiletries. It's that's kind of a you know shampoo, lotion, conditioner, toothpaste, you know, toothbrushes, deodorants, wipes you know there's something about you know, you you're, you're losing your home and you're on the street and you know your dignity is starting to suffer and you can't take care of yourself the way that you want to so you know those things actually become very paramount to you know keeping your your sense of self you know or trying to in whatever way possible and then there's cash donations you know cash is always easy um And then you get down to the other things that become, you know, really, uh, how do you dedicate yourselves? You know, how do you get yourselves involved in a way that, uh, you know, that can provide some longer-term meaning, and not that the other things don't, but, you know, volunteering. They need people to cook meals. They need relationship building. They need mentoring. So those types of things are always uh, in demand. And then, of course, more housing. And then the other thing they said, which is what we're doing today, is they said share our story. You know, go out there in social media, you know, write letters to the editor if you've done something or if you've had an experience, you know, that's positive or that's poignant or that's... You know, whatever it is regarding dealing with homeless youth, or uh, word of mouth, or friends and family, share our story. You know, get get it get it out there. Not only about what we're doing, um, but about who's out there, what kind of help they need, and what kind of things we're trying to do to fill those gaps. So those were the things that they listed. And then, you know, if you're inclined and you want to do that and you have the skill set, then there's the uh, you know the political lobbying. So I mean, you can do that for some people that want to go out and change the laws or or you know get something on the books that can help these people and get some more funding to them or whatever. So um a very intense uh, interaction um uh, for me and a very uh, interesting uh, experience that is still kind of processing through as I as I do this show. But um one of the things that I um had heard from others while we were trying to prepare this is that obviously you, when you talk about a chamber of commerce, they're already community-minded anyway, but there are a lot of people that are used to seeing at their monthly meetings things that are about their business. You know, how do I start a business? How do I do marketing? How do I do this? And so the question was, well, why are we talking about this? I mean, how does this help my business? And it really does because it's an economic development type issue. It's an economic vitality issue. It's a community infrastructure Issue, it's an educational um, issue and it's a workforce issue. I mean, these, you know, you see here the songs, you know, "Children Are Our Future" or whatever, and it's true. I mean, if our youth arise and they act, they have the strength and they have the dynamism to generate a huge transformation in society. And so, we're trying to push the next generation forward and find some ways to uplift them so that they become productive and contributing members of society. So, you know, it may not be about, you know, how they help business or complaining about the fact that they're sleeping in front of your business, but I, it's it's really about how do we have the um – the tools in place to make sure that we are thriving together as a community and moving forward so that we are attractive to not only people that are looking to come here, but people that may want to grow their businesses once they are here. And I don't know about you, but you know, I, it's very difficult, the idea of just kind of going forward and, and thriving in the world, knowing that there are children out there that don't have a place to stay, that don't have food Um so you, you got to have to find a way to, to do that. So um, when we had the luncheon, we told them what we we're probably going to tell you, and that is, for them, they can connect with the organizations directly, or they can, you know, connect with their chamber leadership. For you who are listening to this show, I mean, I guess you could also contact us on our Facebook page if you have any questions or need to be pointed to someplace, but for now, I would say that, you know, if you have something, stand up for kids. You can go to um, Central Kitsap School District or, you know, Kitsap Community Resources. But I would say, really, go to Coffee Oasis. If there's something that you uh, need to know or something that you want to do to help, then go to them. And I'm sure that Daniel or um, his dad will or somebody there will point you in the right direction. So, um don't have any more comments or information to offer about uh the issue other than what took place at that meeting and i'm doing that because i like i said it was just my commitment and you know i felt compelled to do that but um if there are any other thoughts or comments out there uh you know just give us a ring and we'll we'll do our best to to try to take care of that for you or, you know put you on the right path or put you in touch with somebody or whatever it is you need so um Talking about what's coming up for us, on November 6th, we will have a fireside chat with Lou McMurrin, minus the fire, maybe, depends on the weather, you never know. But he's one of my favorite people, and he spent 13 years as a lobbyist in Olympia for the Washington Technology Industry Association. Then he left that last year to run his own consulting business. So he's a highly respected uh, person by the tech leaders and politicians. He's really a straight shooter, and his work has been very instrumental in uh, legislative circles. Um so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to uh, talking with him about business policy and trends and elections, and of course the election results. So thanks for tuning in this afternoon. You can find this broadcast as a podcast at the site you're using right now, or on Facebook at backslash s p r eight talk radio. That's Sam Tommy Roger eight talk radio. Be sure to like us there, follow us here. I encourage you to share the story today and spread the awareness and do what you can to help. But for now, this is your host, Donya Keating, signing off at about 2.30 Pacific time on Friday, October 31. Happy Halloween.